Hey everybody, welcome to My Town Hustle. Today's episode is going to be a reaction piece. Stay tuned. Welcome to My Town Hustle, where we take an in-depth look at the people, policies, and processes that make small towns work. Focusing on trends in urbanism and creative economies, My Town Hustle explores the ideas that make our community special. So sit back and enjoy the show. everybody welcome to today's episode my name is jared perry and i am joined by the yoda of all things government mr brett alfin hey everybody wow nothing i'm not gonna nothing okay finally getting some respect <laughs> we did it on the last last week so respect. <laughs> thank you uh and i also have sam tootin of six mo city services what's going on uh, okay, so this is going to be a little different episode. We we actually recorded this episode, gosh, like mm-hmm. middle of last year. It's October. It was October. Yeah. October? It what day October. is today? I don't know. Uh, it October. seems like July, but I think October is probably <laughs> yeah, the most probably correct. Right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we've been talking about releasing this, and it's just been kind of caught back in our backlog of things that we wanted to, to get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we felt like this was a good time. So we've actually got this piece that's kind of pre-recorded. Um, but it, it goes over a documentary and kind of documents three families, one in Columbus, mm-hmm. one in the Plains, Ohio, shout out Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. and then one right here in Marietta, Ohio. Mm-hmm. So we're going to kind of stop this right here and then just let that episode play, and then we'll catch back up real time on the end to kind of, since there's been some time elapsing, and that was such a, it was such a timely documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to kind of come bring that back around and say, okay, now looking back kind of at 2020, you know, how that all unfolded. So we'll see you in a, a few minutes. Um, okay. We're going to talk about a, a show that was on Frontline PBS uh, called Growing Up Poor in America that you know, chronicled three families um, throughout the show. Uh, one of them being from Marietta, Ohio. So if you are new to the show or have been listening for a while, um, definitely go go check that out. It's on YouTube. Uh, You can find it relatively easy. I want to say it's like 45 minutes or just just under an hour, I'm pretty sure. Um, But 55, I think. You know, if you want to see our town and kind of see the reason that we're doing this podcast, I think it does speak to that. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. But I think it speaks to uh, life in rural America a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and on uh, on top of that, uh, growing up and, and why it, why it's important to give a rip yeah. about the yes. places that you live Absolutely. and the people that live there that you know might not enjoy the same things that uh, that you've yeah. become yeah. accustomed to. So there, there is work to be done. Yeah. Yes, and to, to outline it too for everybody, there's a family in the Plains, Ohio, which is right outside of Athens, Ohio, uh, south about an hour an hour from Marietta. And then a family in Columbus, so yeah. just three families solely in Ohio. Um, but it's a nice take. It's it's uh, a black family in Columbus, um, a sort of mixed race in the Plains, and then a white family here. So I liked, I did like that representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even think about it until you you said that. Yeah, of that. So, and the commonalities of the challenges of poverty, homelessness, mm-hmm. assistance, you mm-hmm. know, stigma, all those things are present in each family, and they're clearly dealing with those as they go through their tribulations in the. In the video. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, this is going to be kind of a different episode for us. I'm not going to 
I really just want to talk about this this subject of being poor in America, and then we can kind of draw references mm-hmm. um, to the show yeah. uh, as some of these things were were brought to light. So, if you, I think Brett, if you want to kind of start out, you're the one that you know pinged this sure. in our our group chat, and you know said, hey, we should definitely you know have an episode about this. What about it? Like when you saw it, why why did you say we need to talk about this? The first thing that really struck me was I don't know how many folks out there realize that there are folks in our midst living in these circumstances every day and always have been. Um, It's easy to overlook them. It's easy to not pay attention. It's easy to become disengaged from that. But the reality that was portrayed in this this piece was very stark and, um, you know, it was personal for me, you know, growing up in a single parent home. You know, we benefited from every public assistance program that was out there. And that I just fully believe that's the beauty of our culture, that we won't let people just become completely destitute and and literally die. I mean, uh, those Mm -hmm. things are so important, and I'm just very pleased that we have that stuff. And I know there's a lot of mixed feelings about that and what those things mean and how we get them. But uh, it just really struck me because I know personally that was – an important um, asset in helping me become the functioning adult I am today. I mean, I, I was I was watching this. Not in that same circumstance. Sure. Right. Sure. Yeah. As I was watching this, I I kind of was reflecting on the razor's edge that I felt like I walked as a child, mm-hmm. you know, with family challenges. And this video, any of these kids or these circumstances could have very easily been me, very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just really struck me, and I, I just I, I really want to draw ta- attention to the fact that you know, like I said in the intro, there is there is work to be done, and and, yeah. and we're kind of all present in making sure that we don't leave these folks behind, and and um, there's a role for us all to play, and I, I just don't want to turn a blind eye to it. I mean, I know for many folks things are fine, but it is not the case for everyone. Yeah. Right. Sam, what about uh, what about you when you when you saw that come through on the text? You know, and after having watched it, what what is your like initial takeaway? My initial, ooh, my initial takeaway. I mean, for me, um, well, we've kind of talked about the, this off mic, but I I didn't grow up uh, in that pr- same kind of predicament uh, uh, that uh, either Brett or, or Jared and I'll let you talk and uh, as we go. But um, for I this family that's from Marietta. Uh, or it's highlighted in Marietta is from a neighborhood of Harmer uh, where I attended elementary school. So there's uh, Harmer and then there's Harmer Hill. I grew up on Harmer Hill. It's obviously on a hill. It's up above. It's on the west side of Marietta. I think I've mentioned it before in previous episodes. But I always appreciated my childhood growing up over there because I was introduced. I went to the public school system. I was introduced to people and kids of, uh, you know, the race was different. You know, there's a few, but there wasn't much. But social economically was very different. Um, But I was very fortunate. I had parents who didn't allow me to stop or allow me to grow or let me experience uh, these kids uh, growing up. You know, I would stay at a friend's house and know it's not the house I have, but that didn't matter. I knew it was different, but, you know, it's just taught a little bit better. For me, I'm very fortunate in that regard, and I, and I understand that. But, um, you know, I 
feel bad and I feel sorry that there are families uh, and kids that really are right next to each other with other kids that grow up and have, you know, maybe a little bit better uh, household or parents are a little bit better means. And, you know, you just see these kids kind of get lost somewhere down the road. And uh, what I liked about all of the kids on the show is that they had a very positive outlook uh, for their future. They didn't weigh, they didn't let that weigh them down. Uh, Hopefully they don't lose that. They all were pretty young. There was some in Columbus that seemed like they were 18. Or yep. one was one girl was 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was registering to vote. Yeah. 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 So th- that was empowering to know that it hasn't failed them. You know, at least ha- nothing's failed those children just yet. Uh, at least on a positive moving forward note. But, uh, you know, for me, it's always interesting to hear about those kind of struggles. Because, again, I can't relate, but I feel like I can appreciate it. And yeah. uh, it gets to a point where I'm going to steal your term, Jared, right now, which was kind of. The fact that I had parents who didn't teach me um, hate or ignorance, you know, uh, I, my, as I'm watching, I'm just thinking how much of a learned behavior hate, ignorance, and everything is because, you know, I was exposed to that in some reality in a small town, but it didn't, I don't let it define me. Sure. Um, and I think I, I, I owe all that credit to my parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Uh, what Sam's kind of referring to is, you know, we had watched this initially, uh, and then we, you know, kind of chit-chatted about it because we're in the same office, right? Um, there, there's topically right now in our uh, political climate, uh, one of the things that has been brought to the forefront, and you can see it in this video, I, th- I think George Floyd had just happened right. uh, maybe halfway through the show. Sure. Um, you know, and they start talking about this. And one of the things that came out of George Floyd was, you know, white privilege being, you know, back brought back to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't talked about in this episode, but it was talked about in, you know, in real life and, and TV and the media, yeah. et cetera. And one of the things that I just kept, you know, thinking about when I'm watching this is I really, all of these families suffer the same plight. Yes. Mm-hmm. All, you know, three different racial backgrounds um what i would what i when i look at that i first my first initial thought was no dad's present no right okay um that plays a monumental role and where i was going with that was Mm. was parent privilege yeah some people are fortunate enough privileged enough to have parents in their life that regardless of the circumstance they are in, and I, th- I honestly thought all three of the parents here, even though they're all single moms, mm-hmm. all three of them wanted and were trying yeah. to show their their kids life can be better and right. it will be mm-hmm. as long as you work hard. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, you know, and I really I like that a lot, um, but there's no escaping. The fact that it's statistically harder. So yes, yeah. I went through. There's um, University of Texas Child and Family Research. Um, this is 2017, so we're we're three years dated, but I'm fairly familiar with these statistics. They don't they don't change um, since the 19 when when fatherlessness became a real problem in America, and it's like the late 60s, early 50s. Mm. Um, 
I'm just going to give you these statistics. Children who grow up with involved fathers, okay, 39% more likely uh, to earn mostly A's in school. 45% less likely to repeat a grade. 60% less likely to be suspended or expelled. Twice as likely, that's 200% if you want to look at it that way, 200% times more likely to go to college and f- and find stable employment after high school. 75% less likely to have a teen birth. Think about that. Wow. Mm. And Ooh. 80% less likely to spend time in jail. Think about that. When we talk about this, the word systemic, mm-hmm. 80% less likely to spend time in jail like, I'm sorry. When I saw that, I was like, mm-hmm. "Wow, yeah. yeah, that is it, mind blowing for me." So when I there's, uh, you know, Brett, kind of, you kind of gave your background. Sam, you you gave yours. I'm more in the Brett train. Um, uh, I wouldn't. I still don't look back and think my life was impoverished, even though uh, I had a single mom. You know, really until I was in kindergarten, my dad was involved in my life, but it, you know, I've uh, they were divorced before uh, I think of before I was one mm-hmm. I think um lived in r- I don't know roughly 10 houses and trailers before I think the age of 8 I think that would be uh when my dad got the house he lived in now and my mom got the house that she just moved out of um qualified for free and reduced lunch you know all that stuff although all of those things existed for them and you and I have Brett and I have talked off Mike. My parents never like allowed me. Like I remember paying for lunch in literally like my pockets were full of pennies, yeah. nickels yeah. and dimes. Yep. Yeah. Solely. I, I don't know why. <laughs> like I really, I look at it now and I'm like, yeah. man, mom, you should just, you know, got me that, you know, but um, I, I always went to school like that. And what I, Again, that's where I come more from a parent privilege thing is because no matter what the circumstance was, and it seems like, Brett, your upbringing was the same way, like, sky's still the limit, baby. Sky's still the limit, you know? Push him. Um, So I I really enjoyed this show, and I hope we're going to talk more about the actual show and the things that come out of it, but it it definitely struck a chord for me, Mm -hmm. and, you know... um, I'm still encouraged by the things, especially after our last episode, we talked about, yeah. you know, the kiddos and just making everything about mm-hmm. those kind of fortuitous. We knew this one was coming down the pipeline. So, yeah. um, well, it's, it's, it's also important to say here that, and Jared's making a very salient point about the parenting. I think that's a critical piece. And it's not that what he's not saying is that, um, fathers are superior to mothers or anything like that. No. I think, I think yeah. the point here is when you have two parents, you have a, additional opportunities to expend continuous effort, right? So when you're a single and parent, patience, right? And yeah, right. So yeah. when you're a single parent, you can only deploy so much energy towards your child because you have to sleep and you have to work. And in those off times when you're not providing that attention or that energy, there's nobody else there to pick up and keep feeding that energy into your child. It has nothing yeah. to do with the mothers are better than fathers or fathers are better than mothers. It's just yeah. having two parents provides opportunities for a continual input of 
guidance, structure, mm-hmm. positivity, whatever. Yeah. And so when you only have one parent, you know, you, clearly you're handicapping the ability for that child to receive that influence. And, and it's just a time thing and an effort thing. It's not a one is better than the other. And I think, but I mean, I think Jared's right on, just right on the money with that. Yeah. Um, so I want to get into kind of some things that they talked about on the episode um, that happened, you know, one of them being coronavirus, right? Mm-hmm. How each of these families dealt with that. Um, I thought the the part of the family that was in the planes f- physically like walking yeah. to mm-hmm. school in the rain, yeah. pushing a stroller to pick up the the Chromebook, I think. Yeah. yeah. You know, while all these other families are there in their cars and they're waiting in a line, being rained on, yep. no umbrella, pushing a stroller. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, to paint a word picture for you, that's what we're talking about in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I take out of that, Jared, is is something we talk about in the community development and economic development world is our communities in Appalachian, Ohio, certainly, and probably rural America are generally all predicated upon owning an automobile Mm -hmm. or being able to access an automobile. If you can't, if you can't own or operate or choose not to own or operate an automobile, you're handicapped in every possible way in our, in our culture to accessing healthcare, education, everything. And this, this was a perfect crystal clear example of that with these folks in the plains. Um, Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, to take that a step further, there are, I mean, I'm, I'm very aware that there are folks in our community that are basically a flat tire away from poverty. Maybe they have a car. They're barely affording it. They're barely affording the insurance. They're using it to get to their, you know, like any of these parents, they're using it to get to their, you know, low income job. Well, that's what, yeah. Yeah. And, And then if you have a flat tire, to you or I, that's like a bad afternoon. To them, that's a life hurdle that we cannot overcome today yeah. or in several days or in a week. And so that's putting their livelihood at risk with a flat tire, something as trivial as a flat tire. But this is the, yeah. again, this is the razor's edge that people live on that I think we just don't always recognize. Yeah. And, and that's why, again, for me, advocating for programs and other resources that help these folks, regardless of how you feel about what those things mean at the macro level. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. These yeah. things are literally life-changing for some of these people. And and this was, a, like Jared is saying, this was just a very vivid example of, you know, having to stand there in the rain with a stroller yeah. with a child yeah. another, to pick up the Chromebook. I mean, demeaning. Another reflection mm-hmm. of that in the show is the mom from Marietta who's t- talking to the interviewee on camera. You hear this noise, yeah. and she's just like, well, talking when she's talking about not some of her not bills, being able to pay her electric some, bill, yeah, yeah her disconnects and washing machine goes out, and she's yeah. just like, why oh. they're having the interview? Yeah, she's like, I might, oh, it looks like I'm gonna have to get a new washing machine too. Yeah. You know that right there, yeah. bad day just threw you in a loop, but that would just be crushing. Yeah. And you saw that, and I think, but but not to get off the automobile, that I think handicaps people yeah. tremendously throughout throughout the rural America and the world, just because. Yeah. How, how dependent we are on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we said this on an early episode, but I mean, I can remember, I mean, there's a place here in Marietta where, you know, there are houses within eyesight of what was a Kmart. Yeah. And I would argue 
in most places of the world, that would be awesome <laughs> to live within eyesight of a Kmart. Yeah. I, I would argue here for you to walk there from these houses to that, you're literally taking your life in your own hands. <laughs> um, so it's it, it, now you could easily get there in a car. But again, we've, we're now setting the barrier at you must have a car mm-hmm. or it's easier if you have a car. So I just don't think we think about what those things mean to people that can't obtain those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just take it for granted that everybody can. And clearly this, this piece is showing us that not everybody can. Yeah. So with that, um, I want to kind of get back to, to COVID and how each of these families, you know, we're, we're dealing with it. Uh, the folks in Columbus uh, during this time were staying at a friend's house, right? It's family of three, correct? Yeah. Yeah. In a single bedroom. Yes. They were allowed to stay in a single bedroom. Family of three during COVID, one bedroom. Kept their clothes in their ba- in their suitcase. In their suitcase. Yeah. The, the little girl said she doesn't even unpack anymore because this is such a an ongoing thing. Yeah. Um, I didn't have that experience, obviously. I have a house. Um, it was very eye-opening to me that some people treated – COVID, uh, much, much different than me. I mean, the time in which this thing was uh, recorded and, you know, they're talking about this, you know, it's actually like late May. Yeah, it's in like the early, in early the COVID. June. Yeah. It's early-ish in the COVID time. Yeah. But but late enough to where we have data yes. of COVID. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I mean, even to till today, I believe, I mean, fact check me if I'm wrong, to... Two children under the age of 19 have succumbed to COVID-19, too, in the entire state. Of Ohio. Of Ohio. Um, So, like, I don't know, my engineering, my mathematical brain, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I think it also shows the dependence upon media. It shows the dependence upon news and whether or not I am to be fearful of this, whether I am not to be fearful of this, can I think for myself? Can I not think for myself? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do I just, I don't even, I throw up my hands up in the air. I don't even know. So I'm just, you know, I, I'm just going to basically live in fear. Yeah. That was also like gut-wrenching to me. Well, yeah. you're making a great point, Jared. And I think this is also, uh, you could substitute this conversation w- about the car in this conversation because think about, I'm going to I'm going to make an assumption here. I don't know for sure, but I'm going to assume that the people those those two young ladies and that mother didn't have insurance. And so for them, the risk of getting sick, not even with COVID, mm-hmm. but you know anything else co- that would cause them to have to go to the emergency room or to a doctor is just as financially devastating potentially True. as you know something happened to your car. And so yeah. it's they they almost have to live in fear because they can't afford to deal with the circumstance should it happen, even if it wasn't COVID. Mm-hmm. So it, mm-hmm. it's it's another reflection on, you know, so what's your choice? You you live you live in a very sheltered and protected way because if the bad thing does happen, mm-hmm. it's going to be extremely hard for us to recover from it because we don't have the resources to even deal with it. Yeah, and so or you're I, just putting yourself in that much more debt because yeah, yeah. you know a lot of time I think what gets lost in translation about healthcare. In America, we have this beautiful thing. We go into a, a an emergency room. Like they, they can't deny you you care. They're they're going to treat you. Yep. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have insurance, like you're talking about, guess what? That's a 
massive bill. Yes. Yeah. Massive bill. Yeah. That you now have yeah. lingering over your head. And I think that contributes to the fear. <clears throat> yeah. I hundred mean, percent. I think that's, part of, the, I think that's yeah. part of the fear of what do we do? Um, yeah. And I don't know that I would have a better answer for them. I mean, if that was me, I probably would likely be in the same boat, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's, you, you look at how they have to st- stress and think about every dollar and every, at least revenue and expenditure, you know, you should be doing that anyway, sure. any, but they are more fearful of that expense than maybe sometimes the revenue aspect of it because of that dramatic pandemic like if something were to happen that would it would be devastating for them so i i liked the parents is of the way they were represented in that show and how they treated that but for me i took out of it more of covid and schooling and you know what was offered to the children how they were able to handle it um, the one girl here, you know, seemed like she struggled a little bit more with her schoolwork, but you know, that now we're talking about mental health. We're talking about, you know, they ADD, ADHD. And I think, you know, for me, that's what I take out of it is that the COVID happened. The kids, it's get shut down. The one boy cries. Uh, yeah, that was heartbreaking. Um, about a, a, a teacher and, you know, it's just, that that's I hate that and I and now we're in October you know you guys have children uh, who are in school and have been home and, and stuff so I guess beating off that would be you know what do you see that's kind of different uh, for for your children and how they experience school as we keep going because I think when you talk about May or when this was filmed I think it was right when it happened because he's getting his Chromebook they still have a little bit of school left mm-hmm. summer's not not here at all so I guess for you and maybe maybe Brett, since your children are a little bit older, yeah, yeah. of just what that's like for them to well, to, also, also, to adapt, like for yeah. you to, to to adapt to it versus yeah. what you saw uh, on the show. Well, and to, and to Sam, the point Sam's making also is um, at the point the show was filmed, I think they would have thought we were crazy to say we would still be doing what we're doing in October. Yeah, you know, what I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that had really settled in that like this is a very long term situation. I mean, it was. I think at that point it was like. You know, it's been a month. You know, maybe we'll have another couple of weeks, and then we'll be out of this, and we'll be back to where we were. So, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it, that that scenario, Sam brought home to me the fact that a lot of these folks that are disadvantaged in many ways, they really benefit from services, mm-hmm. and it's hard, if not impossible, to deploy those services meaningfully over a computer if you don't have a computer, if you don't have internet, and so, yeah. you know, if you need. A speech pathologist or you know whatever the thing is and you need that that your ability to really benefit from that in the covid situation is dramatically decreased because you know doing it over online if you can yeah and, and if you can't you just can't have that service i mean mm-hmm. that's kind of where it, i think that's kind mm-hmm. of where it fell and, and yeah. the school thing i think this brought home to a lot of us and i think many folks already knew this and maybe i'll just count myself amongst those that didn't really i didn't really realize this as much that how much school means to some of these kids in every way mm-hmm. for food, for social interaction. And I mean what they may or may not be getting from their family situation, you know, and all, and all those things, obviously this young man, Sean from the plains, the, the personal support he was getting from this teacher that he really had a special relationship with because mm-hmm. obviously his mom was struggling to take care of a young child and mm-hmm. him with no everybody else present. And so he was probably getting a lot of that attention that he would get. He would, 
his mother would love to give him from this teacher. So when you suddenly take all those things away and you're in this social situation that's already challenging in every way, I mean, just talk about layers on top of layers of people that really crushes folks. And it's, and that's, I think where it becomes devastating. All right. Okay. So that was what we recorded, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, I think it was in October we said, Mm -hmm. and we're going to bring this now full circle and looking back at it. And Brett, I want to kind of get your takes, you know, from re-listening to that episode, but then also, you know, it kind of being in the rearview mirror. You know, what what thoughts came out for you? So listening to that again, I'm I'm continually reminded of the challenges that folks in our communities face outside of when there's a pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Our, our our folks face challenges whether it's with poverty, access to healthcare, access to education, you know, family struggles, you know, all those things, our our folks face those challenges. And then you put on top of that, the pandemic, which makes all of that even worse. And I think those conditions are all still present. So I'm reminded of how, for a lot of people in our communities, how hard it really is and, and how it's gotten even harder. We've been through the election and we saw how that played out and the impact that that had on on communities and kind of what that did to our kind of collective psyche and our energy and kind of our desire to kind of keep moving forward so again another another challenge on top of that so i'm just reminded that it's hard and folks are struggling and if you're not struggling or you're not feeling the struggle how lucky for you Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and um it's just a good reminder that we've really got to help each other and, and we've got to be really be present in trying to do our best to overcome all, all of these things, you know, with the continued existence of the virus and all those things. So I'm just reminded that, you know, while it is hard for, you know, maybe Jared and Sam and I, it's, it's much harder for other folks out there and we just really need to be caring and, and, and think about that as we go through the things we do. Yeah. That's a good take. What about you, Sam? What are you looking in the rearview mirror, kind of well, taking away? Well, feeding off him just real quick, it started off looking at gro- literally growing up poor in America, but it's it changed into the COVID pandemic struggle. So I think it's the perfect end note to what Brett is saying is that, you know, these are still issues. They were issues before. They're going to be issues after. Even, even though COVID, for what it's worth, things seem to be dying down. You know, the vaccine is, is around, you know, you're, it seems like we can kind of maybe see the finish line. But when we did this in October, obviously we didn't. And when they filmed this, they definitely didn't see any finish line mm-hmm. anytime soon. So that's a great, great, great end note. For me, the schools are still troubling. I just can't fathom what that's like to go to school right now for kids. And I think even, and it'd be interesting to even know a follow-up to these these kids. It's been It's going to be almost a year before long. Um, there's already data statistics about the struggle that kids have had with anxiety, depression, oh, et cetera, yeah. from not having school. And to me, that's the biggest thing that, it, because of what Brett said, the struggle before COVID and what they have now. Yeah. Uh, it's tough. Yeah. Very tough. Um, but I, I want to kind of transition this, this entire uh, episode. I want to, I want to kind of take it uh, down, but yeah. um, you know, one thing I think, anybody who's listening would agree on is you can you we can all take a more concerted effort to notice the person across the street to notice the family that's in the car next to you to notice the people that are you know walking down the street we're all um 
everybody's fighting their own battle, um, some more than others. And uh, any time that we have uh, to give back in our communities, whether mm-hmm. it's you know doing a stupid podcast like we're doing, you know, trying to educate people on on why economic development is important, why why you know affordable housing is important, why land banks are important, why why all these things matter in the grand scheme of things, you know, or if it's going down and serving at your local food bank, if mm-hmm. it's you know helping out, Brett, we just talking about uh swinging a hammer for habitat for humanity yep. mm-hmm. um all of these things they all matter and um yeah yeah so i'm gonna shut it down uh, i hope everybody found this informative um make sure you watch it make sure you watch it we, we will definitely have the link in the show notes mm-hmm. um but i think that's gonna do it so yep. until next time Thank you for listening to My Town Hustle. We would greatly appreciate it if you would share our podcast with someone who you think would benefit greatly from it. But most importantly, subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever platform you consume your podcasts. It would mean the world to us. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening. We got